With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Happy New Week, everybody. Good to have your company today. Great to have your company today. Just keeping an eye on the US Women's Open. Uh, Charlie Hulk's just holed out for a 66 final round, finishing at six under. So leader in the clubhouse, I guess, is the official title. But this young woman, Alison Corpus, who is 10 under, she's on the 16th. She's got a putt for birdie. I'd suggest it's about 40 foot uh, right to left breaker, leaving the flag stick in. And she addresses the ball. This is some performance. You can't see anything but a win here. Uh, first major championship win. She gives it a decent wrap, sends it out wide right. It is tracking and it just sneaks underneath the hole. That'll be a par putt. So with two holes remaining, she'll have a four-shot lead over Charlie Holt. Uh, Hatawoka is on 15, or played 15. She's five under. Jay Aishin is also five under. And then there's daylight back to the rest of the field. So dominant performance. But what a weekend of sport we have had. What a weekend of sport we've had. I've got a list of them. Of course, the big one. Um, New Zealand beating uh, Argentina, 41-12. Australia also got 12 and South Africa got 43. So very one-sided 30-point victories for the New Zealand and South Africa in the first round of the Rugby Championship this weekend. Has New Zealand, South Africa, 7 o'clock. Go Media Stadium, Mount Smart, 9.45 at Combank. Australia are hosting Argentina. And let's not forget New Zealand 15 are playing Japan. Uh, full international side at 9 o'clock Saturday night after New Zealand 15 uh, beat an invitational Japanese side. Uh, did have Michael Leach in there, 38-6. Um, pretty slow start for the New Zealand All Blacks 15. I think they're officially called. A big win for the Warriors over the Eels, 46-10. And uh, equally impressive, Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs finally getting a win, 36-32 over the Rabbitohs and the Dolphins uh, in Golden Point, 23-21 over the Titans. But we're going to talk rugby first. Um, the All Blacks. And then I want your calls on it, what you made of... Um, it's probably going to be All Blacks, All Blacks calls. Uh, who impressed you? Um, pretty much all of them impressed me, really. I don't want to point fingers at people that didn't impress, but by and large, um, I thought they were fantastic. Um, Robbie, what did you say then in my headphones? You said... Oh, okay. <laughs> he needs Ian Jones' number. <laughs> you sh- what? What we should do, um, actually, Robbie, is get it to you before the show. So um, just talk amongst yourselves while I try and. F- well, I'll actually come on here and say that I thought I had it. Oh, okay. But the one I have is clearly wrong. Okay, here it comes. Bit of admin coming through. Sent. Right, it's sent. So Ian Jones. Um, 
I thought Sam Kane was outstanding. I thought he was absolutely outstanding, a tackling machine. I said to Smithy just before the news that I write notes next to every single player. And Sam Kane, I've just written um, tackling machine, bang, leader. That's what I had for him. Um, I'll work my way through the others as we go on, but um, joining us very shortly, former All Black Ian Carmo-Jones. Um, I think he's... I think he's being called now. Um, but send your, send your questions. Uh, we will open the lines on 0800 150 811. Um, once we've finished, well, they're open now. You can jump on hold if you like. But first and foremost, former All Black Lock superstar joins the show, Ian Camo Jones. Welcome in, Camo. Oh, good build up, Steph. Good build up. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. No, I'm all going well. Pretty satisfying first hit out because sometimes the All Blacks' first test of a season can be a bit scratchy. That They were quite clinical. Oh, outstanding. So proud of them. Yeah, you think about those first kind of games and, you know, a lot of those guys were rivals. They hated each other um, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Coming from the assistance of franchises, they just have their heads in super rugby. That's all they're worrying about, staff. And it's quite a... Even though they're professional players, a lot of these guys have played together in the All Blacks a long time. It still takes a while to kind of come together, get back into the All Black systems, back into the All Black jersey um, and start. But that would have to be the best first up test match in, I don't know, maybe a decade. It seemed a long time, but really tough environment to play. Uh, Mendoza, while over there in Argentina, against a pretty good Argentinian side. So, yeah, I was stoked with the forward effort in particular. Um, I want to talk to you about Josh Lord. First of all, Scott Barrett, mm. just an absolute weapon, physical presence, um, can give away the odd penalty, but he, he's still just so effective and so good. And to think that someone as good as him is our third lock, we're pretty lucky. But Josh Lord, I wanted to talk to you about. I was really surprised how how effective he was, how good he was, given what he played two hours of rugby this year. Um, mightily impressed I was. Yeah, but some of those two hours of rugby played for the Chiefs, in particular the game that they lost in New Plymouth, actually. He was the best player on the paddock uh, until he went off. So his job in the weekend, his job going forward, and this is a great combination he had with Scott Barrett, was to dominate the air. So kickoffs, lineouts, um, inning, aerial, he had to dominate. Uh, and that's exactly what he did. So once more, he fit into that system, didn't try to overplay his hand. Um, his ruck work was brilliant, so we were flooding the rucks. We had good numbers uh, to the breakdown, so he pretty much just followed Scott Barrett in that regard. So we didn't have our locks like the combination with a white lock and a retallic, uh, one of them a little bit wider. Both of them were, were hitting rucks, which is exactly what they needed in Argentina and no doubt will need uh, against the Springboks this coming out weekend. But eerily, he was outstanding. Kickoffs is a restart of play, staff have just scored or had points against you, you've got to dominate the next phase of play. So that was really, really good. Uh, his own line-out work was brilliant, but to see the All Blacks, and they've kind of brought this in a little bit at the end of last year, but looks like they're going to do it this year, attacking the opposition line-out to attack at source with a big man like Josh Lord, I thought was a huge step forward and a big tick for him as well. And we know, because Brody did it, and Sam Whitelock to in the super campaigns, those two will also compete against the opposition line-out. 
And good for our future because we, we're not going to be um, blessed enough to have Brody and Sam much longer. Uh, Scott Barrett's 29, so he might have one more World Cup cycle. But Josh Lord, um, we saw, we've seen glimpses of Tupo Vai as well. Locking stocks in good heart for you? Absolutely. But Staffy, we'll always replace our greats here in this country. Look, we lord our greats and they should be, you know, you know, honoured the way that they are, but even the greatest players that we had will be replaced. That's the way New Zealand system should always operate. That's the way we always should have faith in New Zealand system. So no matter how great Retallick and Whitelock, the combination, without a question, has been outstanding. They are replaceable, and they will be replaced in, in years to come. Um, and yeah, Tubavai, with his athleticism, I think he's got his head in the game about being a tight forward, so I really do... I've said this on a number of occasions, keep him as lock. Don't like this kind of lock six uh, business. So his head's in the game for a lock. Josh Lord um, will be a lock going forward. Barrett's there for a while. So yeah, our locking stocks. But as I said, mate, even our best are going to be replaced. Um, that's what we should always want to do in, in our New Zealand system. So that was brilliant. But it was a tight five, wasn't it? I mean, I mean the locks played well, but our front three, in particular, the starting front three really did set up um, that whole uh, first 40 minutes. We can't do what we, we did in the weekend without domination of our type five. And that really, I think, should be the focus um, coming out of the weekend. Type five set up the go forward ball, our line speed um, you know, was all set up with, with the ball from the type five. Ethan De Groot, um, he just keeps mm. getting better. Every game he plays, he keeps getting better. He is a mongrel at scrum time. How good can he be? Well, I don't know how good he can be, but let's just keep him just doing what he's doing now. Once more, don't do anything more, don't do anything less than what he's doing is his scrummaging ability. I mean, your loose head prop, your front rows staff, are there for their scrummaging ability, tick for their, you know, his line-out lifting, which is really good. But also his work around the paddock is, is really good. His engine is fantastic. So him and Lalala's defensive work, I think, just allows our loose forwards to get a little bit wider from the ruck because these front row on the weekend were getting off their feet, being really strong around the, the rucks. So their line speed, the way they pushed, the way they had some energy around their rucks, mean our looses uh, could be involved a little bit wider. They didn't get kind of sucked in to that, that um, the, the one-off runners all the time that Argentina and South Africa are going to be really good. So, yeah, our scrum became a real weapon. And if you have domination at scrum time, as you know, staff, it leads to domination at line-out drive time and also countering the line-out drive. So, yeah, I thought uh, the group was good. I mean, La La La, I think, his energy around the field as well as his scrummaging ability were very good. But core roles first. Get your cord, you know, set up, scrums, line-outs, kick-offs, and then the rest can flow. But, boy, this is a good effort uh, from our tight five. Let's go loose forwards. Um, the number six has been in inverted commas for quite some time since Jerome Kano. Everyone's trying to position themselves to be the long-term six. I sort of thought it was going to be Ethan Blackadder, but his, his body's not letting him. Shannon Frizzell. Uh, wow, he was impressive in the line and incredibly physical. A, a really important match for that young man. Yep, really important. And, and hopefully Fenau gets a chance as well. 
Um, but once more, you, the loose forwards can't do what they're doing without the type five giving them domination or at least parity up front. And, and, and because that was happening, our loose forwards, as I mentioned before, could operate a little bit wider of their rack and get themselves over the gain line. So really the key for the All Blacks, and this hasn't changed a lot, has its staff for the passing ability of Aaron Smith or any of our mm. hardbacks, to be honest, is that gain line advantage. If we can get over the gain line, so a little bit wider the ruck and get that front foot ball, so, you know, Frizzell or, you know, um, Finau, whoever is going to be our six, can get us over, and then the next runner can get us over again. You know, Samasoni, if he's playing this weekend, then the McKenzie's of the world and the, you know, um, Rico Ioannis of the world, or whoever's out in the back line, can have some ball to attack from, have some front football to run onto, and then the All Blacks can start to dominate. So that's really, I think, was the pleasing thing in that first 40 minutes was our front football getting over the gain line and just putting the Argentinians, who are a very good side, mind you, uh, putting them under so much defensive pressure, we, we do what we did. Uh, Sam Kane, offensive mm. defence. Gosh, he can hit hard. And as a leader, seeing your guy, seeing your captain just put his shoulder into the biggest yeah. Argentinians and flattening them, I found he was my player of the match, Sam Kane, just with his defensive um, domination. Yeah, New Zealanders love to get behind our leader, don't we? We like our leader to lead and lead physically. I think in an all-black pack is really important for your skipper to make those statements. When your skipper is leading like that uh, and, and changing defence into attack, so just just making that transition for your team, it sends a statement. And when you're sitting in the changing rooms or when you're in the huddle or when you see your leader, your Sam Kane, doing that, it inspires your other, other players. Everyone lifts up to Sam Kane's level. And that's really important for an all-black team to, to kind of play at the level obvious skipper. Adi Savir is a leader. We play to his level, um, which is really important. I think that's what we're seeing in this All Black team do, coming up to Sam Kane's you know, unrelenting um, level that he has. He just keeps going and going. The guy's got a ticker, which means all the other players around him have to keep up with Sam Kane. So no, I was really, well, he's done that all uh, super campaign, hasn't he, with the Chiefs. We knew who was going to do that for, for the All Blacks, so well respected within that team and just it, he, he's putting that line in the sand this is where this is the physicality that we need I'm going to start it I'm going to lead it you guys follow me and he played ground security post-match as well which I have no issue with I think if you're a plonker that jumps the fence and goes onto the playing field which isn't your arena it was just a foot trip um, he's forced to apologise but, uh, you know, I remember the one when Richie and someone else took down that big South African. I remember Ruben Wickey when he was a, a water boy for the Warriors in Dunedin. He smashed a pitch invader as well. You take, you're not taking your life into your own hands, but you're going somewhere you're not supposed to. Yeah, I mean, he, he's apologised, mate. He's, he's, you know, when it, it didn't look good. Sam knows it, it didn't look good. He's apologised, mate. We, we, we moved from that because the, the, the worst thing about those um, incidents, staff, is it actually takes us away from what an amazing game it was for the All Blacks, and we should be talking about the rugby. Mm. Um, and Sam will know that more than anyone. Um, and let's hope the build-up to this weekend's huge game against Springboks um, 
that doesn't become the number one story. Um, if you just stop talking about it, staff, and, and, and don't don't bother about mentioning it, it won't become the number one story. Just the other media outlets think they've got a, a, a scoop, um, <laughs> but um, we we won't uh, we won't talk about it. I want to talk to you about the different tactic of South Africa and New Zealand approaching this Saturday's game. Um, five, six, or even more, but some very top-line South Africans have been here since Wednesday or Thursday last week. Mm-hmm. The All Blacks arrive this afternoon. Um, Ian Foster's come out and said he felt it was more important to develop unity. You couldn't do that with half the team in New Zealand, half the team in Argentina. I get that. South Africa have gone completely the other way. What are your thoughts on both tactics? Yeah, well, I mean, I love the all-black tactics, I've got to say, because to give us, you, you, you know, as I say, these guys were rivals two weeks ago, so they had to kind of form those bonds again. They had to be in camp. I think we are a week ahead uh, in some regards of the South Africans because I would imagine the team to play South Africa were probably training together in Argentina, um, just going through whatever they need to do, mm. talking about the game, just kind of get themselves back into sync. So... I really believe we're a week ahead uh, of the game, so I like that. Um, rugby players love touring staff. Yeah. Um, I don't think the travel is an issue. These guys are very professional about travelling. They've, they've done a lot of it. They know the right protocols to make sure they can get over the jet lag as quickly as they can. So being over in Mendoza for, for the week for those non-players on the weekend, but hopefully play Saturday night, I think is a great uh, tactic. The Sarah clearly have taken a different uh, uh, run into this game and maybe to World Cup preparations as well. Um, and we'll see which one's the right one on Saturday. I'm going along Saturday night to you know, Mount Smart. Haven't kind of watched a game at Mount Smart before, so it's going to be a unique occasion for me. So really, really looking forward to the match. Last thing, Carmo, I think probably Shannon Frizzell's done enough to get the six jersey again. Some that were up in the air a little bit. Um, Damien McKenzie, uh, I thought was pretty polished apart from the first 60 seconds in his go in the 10. And I think Bodie had his best game in 15 for quite some time. Uh, do you think Do you think those two might get those jerseys again or will we see some changes? Oh, I'd imagine you'd see some changes um, if that's the way... Um Ian Foster is doing it. We've got to trust uh, Ian Foster. I think we've got to give him a lot of credit for the way he's planning and preparing his side leading up to the World Cup. What I do know, staff, is there's going to be 15 All Blacks mm. uh, take the field on Saturday night. I don't care what names are down 1 to 15. Uh, I know it's going to be an All Black side. It's not going to be the best one that Ian Foster believes uh, will get the job done on Saturday. I'll be 100% behind those guys. But once more, the reason why. Bowden Barrett and Dan McKenzie played so well in the weekend is because our forwards fronted, our mm. forwards were physical, our forwards gave them a platform. And from when you have a platform, you can do uh, what they do. So that's really going to be the, the huge test on Saturday night to get that platform again against uh, a Springbok side. I think you and I and, and most every New Zealand will know the tactics they're going to come and bring on hmm. Saturday will be pretty physical, be relentless, um, will be kind of those pick and drives around the rucks, which means a type five have to stand up again. So they don't suck in uh, our loose forwards and our midfield backs. And once we start kind of sucking those people in, like happened in Victoria, um, create some space on the outside. So, yeah, let's get ready for a, a ding-dong bash fest um, <laughs> at, at, a, at a new venue for the All Blacks. Uh, one maybe it doesn't hold 
quite so much um, I know memories for the Springboks as well. They've never played there, I wouldn't have thought. So, so the Eden Park factor is not going to be on the all-back side, um, but nevertheless, it's going to be one hell of a game. Test week in New Zealand, building up to a Springboks home test. That's there's nothing better coming. You enjoy your week. I uh, really appreciate your time today, buddy. No, thanks very much, Steph. Go well. Ian Camo Jones there, former All Black Lock. Jump on. I'm keen on your reaction. 0800 150 Dino's on the line. We'll take him after a quick break, and you can join in too. Not far away from news, but let's catch up with Dino and Dunedin. Dino. How good, Steffi? <sighs> was good, mate. Really, really good. I, I already said sorry, or sort of sorry about um, Rico, but the jury's not out on that as far as I'm concerned. I hope he actually starts there this week because watching the Australian game, I was sort of, I was amazed they didn't try to go round South Africa more. They kicked away too much ball for me. So it's that distribution of Rico that concerns me. If he gets that right this week and our forwards front up like they did against Argentina and we can get round them, we're a definite chance. Um, I'd like, honestly, and this is only my opinion, but I'd like to see the lock stay the same. I, I thought Josh Lord's lifting was the impressive thing of Scott Barrett because look how high he can get him because of his yeah. height he's got himself. Yeah, You're guaranteed ball there wherever you put Scott Barrett and Lord in front of him. You cut, you, I don't know how you cut that off because he can just lift him so high. And the only... I, I'd love to see Stevenson get a go. I just feel as though he deserves to be an all-black. And... I'm, it's slightly easier here in New Zealand. We, we've seen Bowden, and you, whether you like it or not, I'm not a fan of it, to be brutally honest. I think he's a world-class team. I'd just leave him there. If he's not good enough to start at 10, I'd, he's not on the team. But that's me. I'd love to see Stevenson have a go. And also, I'd like to see Luke Jacobson start for 30 minutes just to wear that grunt out of South Africa, then bring Artie on when he can actually destroy them. But, yeah, the bench, if you looked at that game, and wanted to be critical, the bench gave us nothing. Mm. We actually lost the second half. So we need to, that's a bit of a work on. Obviously, Foster and the crew will be looking at that seriously because the first half was absolutely outstanding. Like the way Rico seen the gap, ran through the gap and distributed the ball, perfect. Yep. The way he hits the line, no doubt about that. He's an exceptional attacker and finisher. But it's just that distribution. It's his work on. He knows it. But he is lethal. Like, I've never ever said he shouldn't be in the team. I just don't believe 13 is his number. But if it is, and we win games from here on in, I'm, I'm happy to eat as much humble pie as anyone wants to give me. I don't care, as long as we're winning. <laughs> yep, and I think that's what Ian Foster, Jason Ryan and co, they just want to win every test. they just got to get some momentum. So, yep, I sort of take what Carmo says. Like, um, we do have to trust Ian Foster. He's the closest to all of them, and he'll pick the team that's best equipped to beat South Africa this week. So let's hope we can. Dino, always appreciate it. Thanks for holding on. No problem, mate. Thank you. Have a good day. You too, buddy. We'll take new sport and weather. We'll come back with Joey and Zayden. If you want to join in the conversation, 0800 150 Well, listen, buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is the number to call. Interested in your feedback from the weekend of sport? Come in, Joey. Yeah, good day, Steph. Yeah, I've got to eat a bit of humble pie, other than what you'd beat, you know, with the size of Thick and Barrett at fullback. But he played well. 
they all played well, you know, they were hungry. You know, that's what I liked about them, Steph, you know, and you could just see in the tackle that same Sam Kane made on um, by coming in when he when he just nailed them, mm. you know. Um, and everything they did, though, it was toughness, you know, and that's what they need to, to do to beat South Africa and play against South Africa and to win a World Cup. They've got to be hungry like that all the time. Fussell had a great game, you know, and, and um, maybe he's free of injury. Maybe the position where he went into lock for the Otago's made him a little bit more tougher. I don't know. But he played well, um, and, um, and the throwing of Dane Coles was good, you know, and the, the, the fourth hit laid down the, the platform um, for, for the backs, um, and the winger that was uh, making his debut, he played well. And the thing with Caleb Park, uh, I know, um, you know, he, a lot of people are saying he's lucky to get in. What Caleb Park does do well is, is normally he beats the first, first tackler. And if, if he can get into space, he's got to be very dangerous on a dry track. If, he, if you give him a, a bit of space, you, you can see he, he steps inside and, and he normally beats the first tackler, very similar to um, Brian Williams used to do uh, many years ago, obviously. And, you know, yeah, and they, played, they played very well, you know, and the Fords, they've got to keep doing that, obviously. And I'm, I'm with um, Dino. I'd like to see maybe Stevenson get a go now. We know what um, Bowden Barrett can do at fullback. Um, maybe maybe not this weekend. Maybe against South Africa might be slightly different because they, they do a lot of box kicking and that. But maybe against Australia, give him a go and see what he can. What do you think? Yeah, I just wonder about the mindset of the All Blacks this year. Are these test matches, because it's World Cup year, are they test matches where you give someone a go? And and I just don't know if it is. Like, yes, we know Bodie's good at 15. Uh, Will Jordan's waiting here. We want to see him at 15. I don't know if this is the arena we give someone a go to see what they've got, just because Jason Ryan pointed out before this campaign, we're building momentum, we're winning test match. Now, I'm not saying Sean Stevenson won't succeed. I'd expect them to succeed. But when there's all of that pressure in World Cup year, I'd like to see him play as well, but I just don't know about the mindset of the All Blacks being a give someone a go mindset. Okay, I'll put it to you this way, Steph. If that's the case, and I, I can see where you're coming from, why pick him? Why not put him in the New Zealand 15 and uh, over to play Japan and see what he can do? You know, that's what I would do. If, 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 if they're looking at that way and they're going, well, we're not going to change too much around the team and we're going to give Will Jordan a go, will you give this guy a go against Japan? That would be one, that would probably be the ideal thing to do. Um, also, just quickly, I would still keep the, the two locks. But if you give the other two locks a rest, I mean, Retallick needs a rest, and, and uh, Sam Whitelock's still a little bit injured. He played that final, but, um, you know, give them a break. And, and, and then we've got the locks coming through. That Lord was unbelievable. That, well, they both played well. Everyone played well. Great. Fantastic. Two points. Uh, Sean Stevenson, while he was in the All Blacks, he was injury cover. Um, so he wasn't, while he was still picked, but he was picked as injury cover. I think if he wasn't, he would have been in Japan with the Japan 15. Um, I think I think they will rest Sam Whitelock because it's an injury thing. I don't think they'll rest Brody Brody Retaliate Eben Etzebeth. You, you can't deny Brody to go up against Big Eben. He, he would destroy his hotel room if he didn't play this week. Yeah, fair enough, too, mate. Yeah, well, uh, they won't make too many changes. I no. think Barrett will start fullback. Um, you know, and I, yeah, I don't think they'll make too many. Yeah. Too many, but as we always say, Steph. Go the mighty turbos. Get up the turbos. Good on you, Joey. 
is a caller that knows his way to my heart. Here's the life member. He's gone from studio to being at home. It's Zaid. Welcome in, Zaid. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Staffy. You were doubting him on Friday. Can Dan Hooker get up? I was, of course he can get up. I, I was so impressed. That guy, has he got even got any pain receptors in his body? Because she was. How, how do you not know your arm's broken? Hardly. <laughs> He knew. He knew. He just didn't. He just didn't own up to it. That was. But yeah, um, Jalen Jalen Turner came out all, all guns blazing first round, and I think he used all his energy up. And um, if Dan Hooker had about ten more seconds there, he was going to be putting Jalen Turner straight to sleep with that rear naked choke. That was locked in. Out at the end of the second round, it was. Yes, his eyes had started yeah. to turn into a slot machine, hadn't they? Yeah, that was real locked in, and um. But yeah, just what a great fight, Dan Hooker coming back from a bit of adversity and just just battling on Dan Hooker. You know, he, he loves a good battle and a good scrap with anyone in that division, and he just battles hard and doesn't stop. But um, yeah, great fight, and I absolutely loved it. And Volkanovski just bullied Rodriguez into until he got knocked out. You know, he just couldn't do anything. Yeah, um, Yao Rodriguez, he lost. All his confidence at the end. He didn't know where to look. He didn't know what to do. He'd never received a beating like that before. <laughs> nah. <laughs> like they're asking Dana White, what, what, what do you do with Volkanovski next? He was pretty much just dumbfounded. He's like, I don't know what I do with him next. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do with him. He, and they're like, what do you want him to go back up at division again and try and get the belt, the second belt, or? Or, or what? What do you do? He said, "Oh, well, he's got to go have a bit of surgery." But I don't know what you do with him. He's just, he's just too good right now, pretty much. That's what he kind of um, was saying. Um, and yeah, quickly, I, I do want to go on to the All All Blacks. Yep. Um, and that's probably the greatest first half I've seen the All Blacks play. Like ten ten minutes, and you're already up seventeen nil. Eleven minutes. Yeah, that, it was an incredible then, start for a first test match of the All Blacks. It was incredible. Like Jordy and uh, Jordy Barrett and Rico, proper midfield playing properly. Um, Bowden Barrett was looking good at fullback. Damian McKenzie um, was playing real good at um, first five. Missed a few conversions, but looked pretty good. And um, little nugget Aaron Smith was loving it, being back out on the park, you know, with a proper team, not the Highlanders, sorry. Um, but yeah, he was he was loving it. Yeah, Shannon Frizzell, um was working his tail for the um whole time he was on the field, and I, I thought it was a great performance. Um, yeah, and um, hopefully we can go and beat the Springboks. Going to be a tough test in um, Mount Smart, but I think we can beat them in a tight tussle, you know, if we get everything right and don't don't make too many mistakes. Uh, I think the, the main thing the All Blacks can't do is give away penalty goals, um, like, you know, because that's what the Springboks usually do all night is they'll take the three and they usually don't miss. Yeah. I know they don't have Pollard, but they'll probably still kick the penalty goals if they get them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm so looking forward to this one. I, I'm very just on Rico Yuani. Did you know? Yeah. Uh, he attempted ten tackles. How many did he make? Yeah. I don't know. Five. It's not too bad. Missed five. Yeah, it's pretty good. Is it? Yeah, you're not going to get all of them. <laughs> Not saying, yeah, but I'd want eight or nine out of ten, wouldn't I? Wouldn't I? I'm not, I know no one's going to make every single tackle, but he is an attacking yeah. weapon, Rico. God, he's fast. 
Yeah, but yeah, it was it was a, it was a great game. It good, sure was good to see Artie and just yeah. Um. Oh, and what what about the Warriors? Um. Little old Sammy Hill would be loving that result. Oh. You know they had the hard game against the Rabbitohs, and then they just come bang. I don't. Um, I don't think Sam calf. Hewitt slept since full time whistle. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Even like Metcalf getting a double, Mitch Barnett getting a double, you know? I know, it was brilliant. Gosh, it's top, It's a roller coaster, though, isn't it? You know, they should have beaten uh, last week. They should have won last weekend, and then we're going, oh, they're going to get up this week. It's just highs and lows, and oh, I do love a bungee cord, Zade. Yeah, I mean, at least they're not losing as many games as they usually lose, though. That's right. That's right. And no, yeah, one, yeah. no one misses five and tackles. In the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the top eight. Here we go. Here we yeah, go. All good. Good on you, Zade. Have a champion week. Thank you. See you, buddy. There he is, yeah. the life member. Zade White joins us. He came in studio and previewed UFC 290. Um, now, he said Volkanovski by decision. He said Dan Hooker by decision. Yeah, he went all right, actually. He went all right. 0800 150 811. I'd love to hear your feedback on anything across the weekend. Um, give us a yell. We'll take your calls after the break. Uh, we go down to the top of the south, the great man Graham. G'day, Graham. G'day, Steph. How are you, brother? Yeah, had a good weekend, mate. That's good. That's probably better than mine. But um, I wasn't going to call you, but um, after that stat thing you gave Zade, which I wrote down during the game, and everyone was bringing up and saying how wonderful Rico was, but it's just that my biggest fear that they, he, he, sorry, mate, that's just my dog. He's, he's had ample opportunity to fix him, fix to get fixed defensively, and he hasn't. And he's making and he's making Caleb Clark look bad as well because he turns in to, to try and you know he goes he moves shifts in and then Caleb has to come in and then Rico has to turn and chase because he's missed his guy, and that makes Caleb look bad as well and. It, you know, I don't know what Scott McLeod's been doing for the last four years, but maybe that's not why. Maybe that's why Scott Robertson doesn't want him in his coaching stuff because he just hasn't sorted it out. Attackingly, there's no one better. He's the best player in the world, running forward defensively. Yep. They'll work, they'll work it out, mate. You know, these teams will work it out by the time they get to the World Cup, and that's and as you said, he made attempted ten tackles and only five, and Zay thought that was that was fair. That's rubbish, man. He should be making. Nine of them, eight of them, at at the very least. At that level, staff is not good enough. Eh? You know, we won handsomely, blah, blah, blah. He, and technically, he was brilliant, mate. Ran straight and hard, did what he had to do. But defensively, I'm really worried. Um, and I'm like, I hope I don't make any changes. I like to see Brazil get a crack. Yeah. Because sometimes he's a bit, he's a bit like Okira, you know. He has, has a minutes the next day, he don't even know he's on the field. Yeah. Yep. You can't do that. You can't do that with five tests left. You know, that's got right. Five tests left. They, they have to work it out. They they have to basically this team pretty much has to play just about every test to see if because that's what it's going to be like in two months' time. They're going to have to play five tests in a row, pretty much. You know, you know what I mean. You make the odd tweak here and there. You know, maybe Dane Coles can't handle that much rugby because he's old, because of his age and with his injuries. But you know that he can give you two hard tests. And you know, and you know, Cody can too. And you got Sami Sano coming. You know, it's just. But yeah, I. You know, yeah, just. But that would. That's my point. I may just defensively. I'm sick of talking about it. Eh? He has to get it fixed and fixed fast, mate. Otherwise, it's 
the better teams will work. Ireland will work it out. But they worked it out last year in, in Ireland, mate. He was atrocious. Mm. And Wellington, mate. I went to the game. He was just, he had no idea. John, yep. I don't know a lot. Rings around him. I was just, so that'd be my, uh, that's my big concern. Good man. And the guy that ran onto the field, and the guy that ran onto the field, mate, sooner or later, someone's going to run on with a knife. Mm. Like, that's, that's my fear. I, I don't, you know, Sam Kane shouldn't have had to apologise for that. But sooner or later, you know, they're running on with paint. They're running on with all sorts of... Sooner or later, they're going to run on with a knife and we're going to have a dead sports person because some clowns thinks it's funny to run on the field, you know, and that's it's unacceptable, eh? It is unacceptable. Anyway, have a good week, everybody, and uh, thanks for the call, man. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, Graham. We got a Frank and Tauranga. G'day, Frank. G'day there, Steffi. I mean, I haven't listened uh, to you and uh, Dave. I'm an 80-year-old, and... Uh, I just thought I'd give us some information to the uh, listeners. Um, if they want to watch the Wimbledon, it's on from 10 o'clock at night till 10 the next day on Channel 59, Sky, Channel 59, yeah. 10 o'clock at night till 10 the next day. And um, the other one, uh, the rugby, is on uh, Channel 23, which is Duke. Right. Uh, and I mean, Channel 51, sports, yep. uh, that's the rugby channel. Yep. And the crickets on Channel 23, Duke. Now, I watched um, the two number ones because I've had a bet uh, for uh, an all up for $500 if I can win it on the two number ones. Eger Schwastiger. I call it Schwastiger, but I can't pronounce his second name. Schwiontek. Schwiontek, yes. There you go. And she was um, going to lose the game. She was two match points down. And she came again and beat the girl, and she progresses. And um, a magnificent effort on her part, and the crowd gave her a great ovation. And um, then, the, then Djokovic played. Well, this bloke he was playing could serve. Oh boy, couldn't he serve? And uh, but Djokovic won um, two tie breaks. And then they called the game off because of time. There's something about time that always happens at Wimbledon. So they're the two games, and I thought I'd give you that bit of information. Uh, as far as the All Blacks go, they've got a squad of 36. Yes. Now, people forget that. A squad of 36 players. So it's not all about the 15 or the 14 that were on the paddock the other night. There's 36 players to choose from. And uh, there's one fella you couldn't leave out, and that's Rockatawa. Remember the bloke that played halfback for Hawks Bay? Yes. And uh, he played brilliantly. So with a squad of 36, they've got plenty to choose from. They can't pick on any individuals like Joyuani uh, and all that. Uh, you know, they've got a fair bit of a squad there, haven't they? Sure have, and they're all damn good. I mean, Fakatava's in the All Blacks 15 in Japan, and as you rightly say, he played very well. He's crisp, he's sharp. Um, we're blessed in some positions. Yes, but he's a, a natural halfback, isn't he? Or yes. is he, he? Yeah. Yep. He's well, he has a job with them. He has a job ousting uh, uh, Aaron Smith. Yeah, I don't think anyone asked him from the number one spot. Frank, we've got to go to a, to a break. It's good to hear you an avid listener, buddy, down there in Tauranga. I wish you a wonderful week following Wimbledon. Yes, and where, where are you posted? Where do you uh, answer? I'm in Auckland. Up? I'm in Auckland. What's the weather like up there? Rains every day. 
<laughs> We've got a scoop, Frank. We've got an ad break coming. Good to hear from you, buddy. I just thought, uh, in case you missed it, the New, uh, the New Zealand, the world under 20s. Um, New Zealand got beaten by Australia, 44-35, which now sees us playing off for 7th verse, uh, 7th and 8th against Georgia, uh, playing for 5th and 6th, sees Australia taking on Wales, 3rd and 4th, South Africa, England, and into the final, Ireland, France. Ireland, France. Who are the top two in senior rugby at the moment, according to world rankings? Ireland and France. Oh, they've got the world of rugby in their hands, haven't they? After this news break, uh, I'll go through some of the texts we've received in the first hour, and we'll also do an Ashes wrap as well. Great to have your company today. Here's Johnny Mac. Oh, the eclectic mix of Rubinio's music taste just to the fore once again. Uh, with me and Rubinio bringing you the afternoon show for the rest of this week as Sammy has earned another week of getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and working on breakfast. Uh, to some of your text messages before we do an Ashes wrap, Staffy, Aaron Smith's try probably would have been scored regardless, but the ref was in the way. Possibly an excuse for the TMO to be involved. Too embarrassing, do you think? So no action taken? Richard? Yeah, I don't think it would have. Um, rest assured, the TMO probably would have said we'll have a look at it if he thought he could have stopped him, but I don't think so. Highlight for me was Aaron Smith with the dummy and the dive over untouched. Um, I think if there's one observation of Aaron Smith from me is he doesn't run quite enough. Um, he's a kick-pass halfback, whereas you get people like Brad Weber who are kick-pass run, Faleo Whakatawa, kick-pass run. Um, so I was very delighted to see Aaron Smith doing that. Afternoon, Staffy from Sean. Did I hear? Did I hear TJ say on Sunday morning there was going to be an extra TMA chirping in the refs here? Is this just a thing brought in for the championship, or is it here for the World Cup as well? I'm not sure. I heard that as well, Sean, um, but I didn't hear him expand on it. So I think because when you get the yellow card in rugby now, the TMO can review it to see whether it gets upgraded to red. So if he's doing that, is he watching the? game as it unfolds so maybe there's an additional one for that I'm guessing but I'm thinking maybe that's why why it is uh, from Terry Ken and Zaid must be pleased that the Auckland Blues players and the All Blacks finally had a win <laughs> uh, from Chris I think we compare Rico too much with Conrad Smith different players and probably Rico has been given different role by Fozzie which is probably just fine gaps and run and boy does he do that well Staffy a master class display from the All Blacks Leave that midfield together. They are terrific. And Bowden at 15, just the class of this guy. And well said, Dean. Cheers from Ken. I think for me, that was Geordie Barrett's best game in the 12. It was fantastic. I want to see him do it again. And there's a few text messages saying, yep, that was a good win, but the real test is this week. Staffy Stevenson is a better all-round 15 than Barrett ever will be. The selection of Clark over Stevenson with Fayanuku, our best 11 by a mile, in my opinion, was a joke from Dean. Uh, exactly, Staffy, the box like Razor will target Rico's lack of defensive ability. I wasn't brave enough to point that out. Um, the other stat no one talks about is Kane's turnover percentage. Zero percent is very close. Everything else, he's my man. That lack of turnovers is a worry when he makes so many tackles. Yes. Uh, last one for now Steph I don't think we can praise the All Blacks till we see them react under severe pressure especially with their dis- discipline and tactics 
Cheers, Steve, and Soggy Gizzy. This test match now, this week, is massive. It's, it's a massive, massive turning point. Um, so like a litmus test this week. Oh, can't wait. Um, Ashes wound up overnight. Well, the third test wound up overnight. Let's have a quick listen to the highlights of the final day. Stark up bowls here. To That's a lot closer. Yeah. That is out. Stark up to Moeen and he's bowled him. Stumps out of the ground. Moeen Ali's elevation to first drop is short-lived. Crawley facing Marsh and he's instant. He's caught behind. Crawley nicks off again. And just when he looked like he was going to become a real bother for the Australians, Mitch Marsh gets one to shape away, kiss the edge. Carey behind the stumps makes no mistake. That's a third wicket in the session. Cummins in the boulder root. Misses a switch wow. down the leg side. He's wow. edged it. He's edged it. Joe Root is gone. And once again, Australia's captain has the breakthrough against the most important player in the England team. 11 times Pat Cummins has dismissed Joe Root now in test cricket. Stark towards us, towards Stokes. Across his stumps down the leg side. Has he got anything? Oh, he has. What a oh, he's moment. Going. He's walking off the ground. He's not reviewing it. Stark gets Stokes with a strangle. Stark up. Bowls and best. Oh! Bowls. Middle stump bent back. Australia needed Stark to deliver after lunch. He's gone bang, bang. Cummins bowls short and Brooke pulls it. Pulls it well in front of square. Might get to the boundary. It doesn't quite. Coming around, Travis Head cuts it off. But there is a half century for Harry Brook. The young Yorkshireman in a crucial test match at home. He's at Headingley. He's got his Leeds crowd standing to him. And this is an ovation you might normally see for 100. He's only got half of one so far. But he's got England within 60 runs of a win in this third Ashes test match. Stark bowls to him. Short. Slash. In the air. Top edge. Could be caught. They've collided and held the catch. Stark and Cummins crush into one another. And Cummins has held on to the catch. Remarkable moment. That was Australian <laughs> rules football. That was body contact under the drop. And Cummins has got both hands to it and hung on. Harry Brook goes for 75. So one to win. The scores are level. Stark just being held by umpire Damasena. Still got the fly slip. Men back for the most part for the top edge, but a number are in as well. Stark to finish the over. England, one to keep themselves in the series. And out through point it goes for four. What a mighty celebration from Mark Wood and Chris Wokes. When Wokes walked in, they needed 80 to win. The head had been cut off the stake with Stokes and Bairstow in quick succession. But what a shrewd selection it was bringing Wokes back into this side. 32 not out. He will be... The champion for England here, along with Harry Brook, they win by three wickets, and the Ashes are well and truly alive. Yes, one in the fourth day. It is now 2-1 to Australia. It's injected life into it. Uh, Captain Ben Stokes after the match. The Ashes are alive, Ben. How delighted are you with the performance of your team here? Uh, yeah, really good. Uh, another, you know, down-to-the-wire game. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to to get over the line in this one and then obviously keep our hopes alive. Um, and it kind of went to plan, didn't it? You won the toss, 
uh, decided to bowl, but presumably not because you thought it was going to go everywhere, but because you're quite comfortable chasing in the fourth innings, given the recent record here. Uh, oh, look, I think it was a bit of both. I think, you know, won the toss and we could have battered our bowl. It looked a very, very good wicket. Um, you know, I think you'd seen that, especially by the way that Mitch Marsh came out and played. Um, you know, he really turned the game on its head for us when we were in a really commanding position with the ball. So, you know, you've got to give credit to, to the way that he came out and took the game on. Um, but it was obvious that, you know, if you get in, you were able to score runs with the outfield being as quick as, as what it was. Um, so, yeah, look, um, obviously we brought Woody and Wokesy back into the team. And um, it's great when you make decisions like that and they really impact the game, especially when you get over the line. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because there are three changes, actually, and Moen Ali was the third. And each of those cricketers had a significant impact upon this game. Yeah, and that's what we sort of try and, and look at it when we when we pick teams is you go about what impact are they going to have at the game and, and how can we use them and, um, you know, that's, that's sort of what we want. We want people to come in and when their moment um, in the game um, is, is sort of theirs, it's, it's how can they impact the game and can it be influential to us either getting on top or, or putting us in a commanding position and all three of the guys uh, did that this week. Um, and as an all-rounder, Chris Wokes has lived in your shadow a little bit, I suppose, in the last few years and he's had a year out from Test cricket. Were you absolutely confident that coming in after that year out that he was be as good as he has been and today in a clutch situation that he was going to be good for you? Yeah, to be honest, I didn't even look at the fact that it's been so long since he's played a, a red ball game for England. Um, he's a quality performer and every time he puts a shirt on, he, he gets the job done. Um, you know, he's, he's sort of Mr. Consistent, you know, having someone who can bat like him down at number eight is obviously a massive help for us. And, you know, when the ball's doing a little bit in the air or off the wicket, you know that he's going to be massively in the game. So, um, yeah, really pleased for Wokesy and, um, you know, hopefully if he gets another opportunity later on in the series, he can do something similar. Uh, and Mark Wood is a special cricketer in many ways, but that kind of character that really lifts the team as well. Yeah, he's unbelievable. I mean, look, when you've got someone who can run in it and bowl at 95 mile an hour and then when he's a bit stiff can bowl at 90, it's obviously a massive help. Um, he is someone who, who is always going to impact the game. Um, you know, whether he's not taking wickets at one end, you generally see some wickets going from the other end because of the way that he bowls. Um, it's great to see him go out there with a smile on his face, enjoying himself, running in, bowling rockets, as he says. Um, and obviously with the bat, he just goes out there free spirit and very clear in his mind how he wanted to take both situations on with the bat. How important was that, Little Innings? Because it seemed to spark you into action as well. Um, look, I think, again, it was a um, it goes back to the clarity. Um, he walked out here knowing exactly how he wanted to take the game on, uh, especially with the quicks bowling fast and, and at his head. And, you know, 26 off, off eight balls was a massive swing in the game. Um, you know, so, again, he was completely clear with what he wanted to do. Doesn't always come off, but when you're very clear, you're giving yourself a better chance. Um, can I ask about the switch of Moeen Ali to number three today? Um, was that because you, you're more comfortable with Harry at five, and in fact, that worked out? Or was it a kind of promotion for Moeen to try and impact the game from that position as well? Uh, the thing about Mo is he always wants to impact the game, whether it be with ball and bat. Uh, he came up to Brendan last night and said, uh, I want to have a crack at three. I want to go and take these guys on. Um, he felt like he could have more of an impact up the order. And obviously, we've, we've, we've got quite a long batting lineup already with Wokesy coming in at eight. So um, it wasn't necessarily a free hit for us, but I just love the fact that, you know, in a pressure situation in the run chase, that Moen wants to stand up and wants to go out and deliver for the team. And do you think that will be a, a factor moving forward in the series? Could you see that as a, as a permanent solution? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think me and Baz are pretty sort of, you know, just go with the flow of things. And if something comes into our head and we think it's um, a positive sort of move to take towards the game, then, you know, we'll think about it and maybe go with it, maybe not. Um, and I asked Pat Cummins about the nine-day break now. It's three pretty stressful test matches you've all endured and, and your body looks to be falling to bits from time to time. Will the break be good for you and your team? 
yeah, I think it'll be great for both teams. Um, you know, obviously we're at 2-1. The, the next game is very vital for both teams and you obviously want everyone to, to sort of be fresh and raring to go. You know, everyone wants to see good cricket. These first three games have been unbelievable cricket. I think everyone who's watched it has been on the edge of their seat, especially towards the back end. So, um, yeah, this nine-day break is going to do quite a few bodies the world of good. And a final word for the Headingley crowd that have given you magnificent support this week. Oh, sensational. We absolutely love coming here and playing cricket for England. Um, they get right behind us, you know, and just the Western Terrace, obviously, they're, just, they're always up with us. Um, it's just amazing how this place always just has memories that people will always remember. Um, and we just absolutely love playing here. Great words and a great performance from you and your team this week. Well done. Cheers. English skipper Ben Stokes there, your fantastic final wicket partnership. Chris Wokes, uh, the former Wellington Firebird, of course, uh, 32 of 47, a crucial knock. And then SEN's very own Bharat Sundaresan, he caught up with Aussie skipper Pat Cummins. Pat Cummins, uh, it's been a great tour for you guys so far. Uh, we've just coming off your first defeat. Uh, it was a game like the others, which ebbed and flowed till the very end. Uh, close finish, but just, just to finish on the wrong side. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, we were on the wrong side of this one. Um, but another wonderful, wonderful test match. I think we had our chances throughout that we didn't quite grab. Um, and, yeah, in the end, I think England played, played better this week. Uh, so, yeah, it's a shame, but um, a, a great test match. But the game's just got over. Uh, at this stage in a, in a game like this, do you focus only on, like, how the last day has played out or do you look back at other, other times during the game where maybe you could have forged ahead or further ahead than you did? Uh, yeah, for sure, the whole game. Um, yeah, just little moments that we didn't quite grab, which hopefully next time if they present themselves, we, we take them. Um, and, yeah, a bit with the bat, a bit with the ball. Um, just, yeah, a couple of times I think we could have been really clinical and, and just weren't. And that's something uh, which has been a feature of your captaincy, asking your team to be clinical by being clinical yourself. Uh, just late on day two, the sun was out, like Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne were out there. Uh, do you think is that where the game sort of changed, where you were in top probably for the last time in this game? Yeah, that, that certainly felt like an opportunity where we could have batted big and put a you know a 300-plus total um, you know for England to chase, which would have been kind of you know pretty tough, I think. Uh, so yeah, that, that was a missed opportunity again in the first innings. You know, I think I'm as guilty as anyone. I think we lost six for thirty, mm. us tailenders. So um, yeah, few few areas we can tidy up. Uh, amazing return for Mitchell Marsh. Uh, contributed in all four innings wickets uh, and the sensational hundred and looked good uh, while he was batting yesterday as well. Yeah, so good to see um, Big Mitchy back. Four years since the last test, he's had surgeries to try and get himself right for red ball cricket. Uh, he's put so much time and effort and. See him get another chance and to show what he's made of. Um, I just, yeah, as a really close man, I couldn't be happier for him. And he, he was awesome, even with the ball today. You know, he's a real option. Felt like he's going to take a wicket. Uh, and speaking of options of the final day, uh, you didn't go much to Todd Murphy. Was it just conditioned or dictated by the conditions, or uh, did you think you didn't have enough runs to play with? Mainly conditions. Um, you know, we knew they were probably going to, they're going to chase down. It's probably going to be in 50 overs and. You know, the ball was still kind of swinging and there's a little bit there for quick bowlers. So, um, yeah, I would have loved to bowl Toddy a bit more, but, yeah, it's probably just not enough overs to um, to get it to him. Um, uh, and, and just now, the way Mitchell Marsh has played, you have a break between now and Manchester. It, does, does that, like, is it tempting to just keep him there? And you know, Cam Green is fit. He looked pretty fit. He was feeling out there. Uh, to play them both together. Is there a scenario where both of them can play together in this series? Yeah, it could be for sure. Um, yeah, we'll... we'll 
you know, take a deep breath and um, come back in a, in a few days and kind of assess where everyone's at. But, um, you know, the way Mitchie's played, it's, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's hard to leave him out. It's hard to leave Greeny out. You look at the other batters and they've all performed. It's hard to leave anyone else out. So we'll work it out. To, I guess it's a good problem for the selectors to have. Yeah, and different to the last Headingley game, right, four years ago. That was different. You were on top for pretty much most of the game and then Ben Stokes took it away from you. This, it felt like you guys kept coming back into the game more than uh, England doing that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's how I felt as well. Um, again, a couple of chances where we could have really put a big chase you know, in front of England and and we didn't quite get there and, um, yeah, we, we got kind of close in the end but, uh, yeah, they pr- probably made it really tough for ourselves. And just finally, Pat, 3 0 would have been great but you kind of, I'm sure deep inside expected them to come back and uh, 2-1, it's, it's still, you guys are still ahead. Uh, just playing against this England team at times it feels like you're playing a one day or they said they'll finish it off in 50 hours. They have, they, it did. Uh, where do you see the series going from here and, and just about you know, that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, it's set up well. It's probably fair to where the series at. Um, you know, all three games have been quite tight. So, uh, yeah, it's set up well for the last two. Um, we've obviously got to win one of them to, to win the series. I still don't think we've played our best game um, even close, really. So, yeah, that's the opportunity for our group to got two more cracks at it, try and put a great game together. Yeah, hopefully that best game comes in Manchester. Absolutely, that'd yeah. be nice. Beautiful. Cheers, Matt. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that is our Ashes wrap. Pat Cummins there with SEN's Bharat Sundaray Sun. Great to have that uh, compilation of highlights. Nine days till the next uh, Ashes test, so that must be the middle of next week, and we will have ball by ball here as well. Our Wimbledon wrap with Rabinho after the break. Ravinio's award-winning Wimbledon rap, or yours, Ravinio? All right. Ball is oh. in your court. Wow, great. All right. Get to the break. No, um, a lot of Wimbledon over the weekend, Steph, mm. uh, funnily enough. Yeah, a few, a few days, uh, so let's get straight into it. Um, you remember Andy Murray was taking on Stefanos Tsitsipas. That one was suspended, uh, and Murray was two sets to one up. Uh, Sitsipas actually got it back. Won a 7-3 tie-break in the fourth before taking the fifth set, 6-4. So, uh, yeah, he he got the win over Andy Murray, and uh, he spoke post-match on his thoughts on playing such a well-respected opponent. I had goosebumps when he won his first uh, Wimbledon title here, and I felt for him of how much it meant uh, this uh, courageous uh, run that he had, uh, I think, in 2012, if I'm not wrong. You know, he was part of the top four for a very, very long time and I looked up to him, I looked up to Novak, uh, Roger and Rafa, so these four uh, guys shaped the game and uh, they are the reason I'm uh, the, per- uh, the player I am today. Turn your mic on, Robbie. There we go. Yep. Good words from Stefanos Tsitsipas there. And um, uh, Djokovic also uh, was in line to play. Uh, Stan Wawrinka of Switzerland, and he did. Straight sets win for him there. Uh, Denis Shapovalov took down uh, Liam Brody of the UK in four sets, who beat uh, Kasper Ruud in the second round. So Shapovalov mo- moves through. Um, and Christopher Eubanks took down Cam Norrie in a bit of an upset in the, uh, their second round fixture. That was a four-set match, and uh, this was Eubanks post-match. That was a really inspired performance against a home favourite. How big a win is this for you in your career? By far the biggest win of my career. By far. <laughs> Not even a question. Um, 
know, there's, there's tons of really good tennis players who play professional tennis who never get the chance to play the number one Brit at Wimbledon in an atmosphere like this. Like, it didn't even matter how many people were for me or against me. This is something I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Another good result there for uh, Chris Eubanks of the States. Uh, Matteo Berrettini took down Alexander Zverev in straight sets, which was a, a bit of a shocking result. Berrettini is very good, but Zverev, he's the 19th seed, and only because he was he was injured for a very long time, so you'd expect him to be a bit higher up, so that's a bit of a shock result. Uh, Holger Rune of Denmark took down Alejandro Davidovich Fokina of Spain in five sets. Now, that that was a, a huge matchup, a 10-8 tiebreak in the fifth set to win that one. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov took down Francis Tiafo of the States in straight sets and he now moves on to face Holger Rune of Denmark uh, and he spoke on the prospect of that game post-match. You know, it's, it's going to be one of those matches that I just I have to take it as, as any other match. I mean, of course, he's he's young, talented and, um, you know, in a way, very dangerous player, but so am I, minus the young part. <laughs> From Dimitrov there, that'll be a really good match to watch. Uh, Pass went on to the third round and breezed past uh, in straight sets. Alcaraz uh, is still going. He breezed past, uh, breezed past Nicolas Jari of Chile in four sets. Medvedev in four sets won his third round uh, appearance. And then we move on to the round of 16 where Yannick Sinner got a straight sets win. Uh, an upset, Roman Safiulin uh, took down Denis Shapovalov in the round of 16. That was a four-set match. Uh, Rublev won his match in five sets. And uh, Djokovic was in action this morning. He, they got through two sets of their round of 16 match. Both 8-6 tiebreaks in favour of Djokovic. Uh, and that has been suspended due to the uh, 11 p.m. curfew at Wimbledon. Two matches to watch on the men's side of the draw. Alcaraz takes on Matteo Berrettini in the round of 16 overnight. That is going to be an absolute blockbuster. Berrettini's looking really good, and obviously Alcaraz. Who was the Berrettini one earlier? It was... Um... Uh, who, who'd he play? Yeah. Uh, Berrettini played Zverev yeah, in the Zverev. third round. So I was watching live, and neither of them wanted to play. I think there was water or dew or a leak in the roof or something and the tournament referee had to come out and spoke to them for about 10 minutes and tell them they had to play and they were not impressed. So um, mental fortitude for Berrettini. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, Dimitrov Runa, as I spoke about before, um, and quickly the woman's side of the draw, Caroline Garcia has bowed out uh, the fifth seed. She took, she got taken down in three sets by uh, Marie Buskova of Czechia. Um, Igas Fiontek is still going strong in the draw. She uh, she won in straight sets her third round. Uh, Ons Jabur in the second round, two six one sets uh, th- through to the third where she took on. On Bianca Andreescu, who uh, won the first set 6-3, but uh, then Ons Jabur uh, took <coughs> out the second and the third 6-3, 6-4. Uh, Madison Keys straight sets win in the third round. As for uh, Arena Sabalenka, 6-2, 6-3, another straight sets win. Uh, Alina Svitolina took down Victoria Azarenka in three sets, which was a bit of an upset. And now Svitolina did uh, speak after the match on some pla- plans she had to change in order to play. The last thing I wanted to say was, I'm not sure whether everyone is aware, but you were supposed to go to a concert, Harry Styles concert yesterday. (laughs) You gave the tickets away. This is a bit better than that, isn't it? Well, I I hope Harry is watching and maybe... (laughs) 
Priorities. And now she's through to the quarterfinals, so that'll be uh, really, really interesting to keep an eye on her. Uh, yeah, Igis Fiontech won her round of 16 match in three sets. Uh, Jessica B- Pagula won in straight sets in the round of 16. And uh, two big blockbusters coming up on the women's side of the draw. Beatriz Haddad Meyer takes on Elena Rabakina uh, overnight in the round of 16 match. That's the winner. <laughs> and uh, Onstrabur is back in action, the sixth seed against Petra Kvitova of Czechia, the ninth seed. Uh, that's scheduled to take place around quarter to two New Zealand time, but that'll be a really good match as well. So around, sort of round of 16, uh, the draw, that's kind of where we're at. The draw is kind of changing around as, you know, we have suspended matches. and But, uh, but yeah, we're... We're getting there, getting to getting to business time at Wimbledon. There's another match in the round of the 16. Uh, Madison Keys, the 25th seed, will take on Mira Andreeva. She's a 16-year-old Russian schoolgirl who had never played on grass until she arrived at Wimbledon, and she's in the yeah, round yeah, of 16. Well. It's amazing. That's amazing. That is your Wimbledon rat with Rubinio, our resident, um, fairly recent tennis expert. Is that right, Robbie? Yeah, I'll take that. You'll take that. All right, we'll take the news now. We'll come back after that. Just go on one thirty. Thank you, Johnny Mac, for your continual updates, your half-hourly updates in your sport and weather. Uh, bit of a look at the TAB odds now. TAB.co.nz is where you find all of these. Um, first time looking, actually, and I'm quite surprised. Uh, the price is on offer for New Zealand, South Africa. New Zealand, one thirty. South Africa, $3.40. Wow. And so I click straight to the point start, 10 and a half point start. I tell you what, my crystal ball says South Africa plus 10 and a half at a dollar eighty-seven will not last. I just cannot see that lasting. <laughs> my, oh my. G- given that the All Blacks get back this afternoon, um, I'd imagine they'll have a light run tomorrow, a big run tomorrow. Uh, Big run Wednesday. Um, something on Thursday, Captain runs Friday. Um, probably one training session in earnest because they do need to get over that trip. Um, and I also read this morning that the Argentinian team are on the same plane as the All Blacks and they're coming to Auckland and then going on to Australia because, of course, they're playing in Sydney, Combank. That's in Sydney, isn't it? Is that is that the Parramatta Eels Stadium? It is, yeah. Combank one? The Flash one? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. So they had to share the plane. It was a charter plane, I believe. So I guess they'll be coming back. They either just arrived or they're arriving back, both those teams to carry on. So, yeah, New Zealand 130, South Africa 340. Um, Let's have a little squiz at the Australian one. Australia 140, Argentina 290. Um, Good one from the Black Ferns over... The weekend as well, really, really good. Gosh, they've got some dynamic players. My word. I mean, Sylvia Brunt, who was the star of the last week's game, um, probably didn't stand out as much, but our forwards were just dominant. But I do have to tip my hat to, is it Sophie or Sophia de Goody, the captain of Canada? What a footballer she is too. Um, so I don't think they're out yet. Uh, Tour de France update. You know, I love... I've got got I've got my notes. I've got here it is. Um, so it's a rest day tonight, um, and then they get going again. Stage ten starts uh, just after eleven o'clock tomorrow night. So a well earned rest day. Uh, still in the yellow jersey, uh, Jonas Vingegaard from Denmark. He has a seventeen second lead only over Slovakia's 
uh, Teddy Pogaccia. Um, Pogaccia's moved into favouritism for the overall winner. Um, 17 seconds is nothing. Uh, we saw Fingergaard put about 40 seconds on one stage, Pogaccia getting 25 seconds of those back the following day. Jai Hindley is third in the yellow jersey, but he's two minutes 40 back and $41. So it's just come down to Pogaccia and Fingergaard. They are fighting that out. Um, something of note, I believe, Corbin Strong, who's been on this show before, uh, Young New Zealand rider. He's been in Commonwealth Games teams. He's ridden Tour of Southlands. Um, two stages in a row. In fact, I think it was two stages ago. He finished ninth uh, in that stage. Uh, his team were targeting a win there. Um, and then he had a crack uh, last night as well. Uh, sorry, the second one, which was... So it's three days ago and then two days ago, two flat stages. Corbin Strong is 13th in the young, which is the white jersey, uh, the junior riders or the young riders campaign. And considering how young he is, because I think you have to be under 25, uh, Pogaccia is still that. Um, so there's some very well-performed professionals. Corbin Strong to be 13th amongst the field of 160-odd, I think, is in there. He's shown that he belongs and fantastic showing from the young man. So we'll try and catch up with him post-tour, actually, to see how we found it. But, yeah, a rest day at the moment. But Tour de France odds and the Ashes odds. Actually, let's have a little quick duck at the Ashes before we go because the next one's... Uh, next one... Ne- next one isn't there. Is it there, Robbie? The next match? I think they've got the series books... The series books are there, so Australia 140, England 490, drawn series 650. And then the correct score, my one was uh, 4-0. That was my one, uh, and it's completely gone. So they don't think there's going to be a zero. They don't think there's going to be a draw. Um, Never mind. So the favoured way at the moment is Australia 3-2, and the second favourite just is... Australia 4-1, and then England 3-2. If England can go win-win in the last two, what a what an ashes that'll be. What an ashes that'll be. But all of these odds and state of origins there, where we find uh, New South Wales 215, Queensland 168, everything's there. It's all on tabby.co.nz or download the app. That's where all the live, live odds, uh, in-play odds, same-game claims, bonus backs, the whole shebang. It is all there for you. We'll take a break. We'll find out what else is making news around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Grazing in the grass. Robbie, fantastic. You've been busy today. You've got your Wimbledon. I've got you doing the Wimbledon rap. I've got you doing what's making yeah. news. What do you got? Fair bits making news. Good. Um, starting over in the UK, uh, where school, tri- school children could start on a trip uh, to the Devon coast down in the southwest of the UK. Uh, got a bit of a fright. They saw a fin of what appeared to be a great white shark in the sea. Uh, now, the teacher actually spotted it and alerted the boat captain. However, he suspected something was not quite right when he steered the boat towards the two-feet-tall object and noticed it had not moved. So, those suspicions were confirmed when he pulled the It was the, the Titanic! Fin... <laughs> he pulled the fin out of the water find it, to find it was attached to a wooden frame. 
So someone had just chucked it there. Um, the fin itself had been carved from hardened insulation foam, which had been painted dark grey before being fixed to the frame and placed about 300 metres off the coast. So basically it was a prank mm-hmm. um, from someone. And... Uh, yeah, they they weren't they weren't too happy about it, but an anonymous person on uh, on Facebook did respond. Uh, I've had fun and got the community talking, so, but <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a prank that kind of freaked people out. I'm not sure if it was uh, too well received, but yeah, good thing good thing it wasn't an actual shark. Lucky. Yeah. Uh, secondly, a pair of, pair of aviators broke a Guinness World Record again. Guinness World Record, you're going to try this one. This one will take you a bit longer. Uh, by flying to each of the 48 contiguous United States in 38 hours and 13 minutes. Oh, wow. So, yeah, John, John Scatoni and Bob Reynolds took out took off from Sanford, Maine, over in the east, made stops at airports in 48 states, ending in South Bend, Indiana. Wow. So, yeah, their, their final time of uh, 38 hours and 13 minutes earned them the Guinness World Record. Um, they said the shortest distance they spent oh. between two states was probably about four minutes. And when that- you said aviators, I thought you meant sunglasses. Ah, right. <laughs> oh, so, you, so the sunglasses get the World Record, but they are actual aviators. Yes. Maybe they were wearing sunglasses, <laughs> aviators with aviators, and they both got the record. That'd be amazing. Um, but, yeah, they... Uh, Shortest distance they spent between two states, probably about four minutes. That happened twice, Nebraska and Iowa, and Ohio and West Virginia. So I won't beat that record. No? Not going to try that one? Not going to try that one. All right. Uh, and thirdly, a, ni- a nice lighthearted story to finish off. Uh, a snail racing event is making its return this weekend in England. Mm-hmm. It's been awarded a Guinness World Record as the longest-running humane snail racing world championships. Um, they're in Congaming, England, and they're returning on Saturday after being sus- suspended in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and obviously the snails all had to isolate. Mm. Um, it was event- uh, founded by Tom Elwes in the 1960s after he attended a snail racing event in France. Um, and Guinness World Record has now- Records has now... Uh, given him that award. The, the race features snails attempting to cover a distance of 13 inches. Um, world record of 22 seconds was set by a snail wow. named Archie in 95. The top prize in the race is a tankard of lettuce. Mm. Of course, that's, um, that's what launched Lee Hart's career. He went to the World Snail Racing Champs. Right. You know who Lee Hart is? I do, I do. Yeah, that guy, Hellas Sausages. Yep. That was his first foray into stardom. Wow. He represented New Zealand at the World Snail Racing Champs. He, he himself? Well, he and his... <laughs> he um, and his snail. He and his stable of snails. Oh, interesting. Mm. Right. Um, i got, got a few facts. i um, got a couple of animal facts. That's I've the, got a fact, that's the too. Theme. Oh, really? Mm. Would you like to go first? Okay. Please do. Um, Celebrities and their cars. Oh, yes. Um, I've got the list. There's about 200 celebrities and what sort of cars they drove. Now, Jay Leno, famous talk host. Yep. He's a car enthusiast. He's, He's about six of his cars with chevs and a whole lot of things. But he's got the most expensive car. It's a $12 million car. Oh, It is a 2006 EcoJet. Let me tell you about it. It's a concept car that uses biodiesel fuel. He teamed up with uh, General Motors, Alcoa and Honeywell to build the EcoJet. It uses a gas turbine instead of a regular engine. Um, 
the engine is usually used in helicopters. It's a two-seater coupe made of hydroformed aluminium for the chassis and carbon fibre polymer for the bodywork. And it runs on biodiesel fuel and soybean oil. Uh, so the fuel choice means when he's driving it, it smells like french fries as he drives past. $12 million. And I got a picture of it. It's like a big aluminium shoebox with headlights and wheels. $12 million. Goodness. $12 million. That's that's crazy stuff. I'm trying to work out how many of my car you could buy for $12 million. Uh, Two. $10, $100. $1,200. right. $1,200 of my cars. <laughs> Carry on. Your nice. facts. Uh, yeah, a couple facts. Uh, animal facts, as I said. It takes a sloth two to four weeks to digest food. Uh, actually, having the slowest me- meta- metabolic 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 right. system uh, of any mammal, and uh, crows can recognise human faces and remember them for their entire lives. Oh, jeez, that one in Perth will remember me forever. Yeah, <laughs> scary. Yeah, um, and yeah, like, one, one to finish. Not animal related, but I thought it was uh, relevant due to what we've been discussing and what's been happening. If you play tennis at Wimbledon, swearing is not allowed. Uh, therefore, judges have to learn swear words in different languages in order to enforce the rules. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I was going to bust out a few in foreign languages, no. but I'm not allowed to do that no, either. No, no, no. We won't do that. But yeah. That's what's making news. It is. All right, we'll have our last break before the news. I've got a few texts uh, that you've kindly been sending in. Double eight, double three. That is our Tampa Bear Post text machine number. Let's get to those after the break. Uh, text messages. Biggest problem with the All Blacks, I think, is there's too many players to pick from. <laughs> that is a big problem. Uh, that's from Dermot. Go the island under 20s. Yes, they're into the final against the French. What a that'll be a cracker. Uh, Steffi with Stevenson. He won't won't he drop out of the squad that now that Mark Talia is fit? Yes, I'll keep a watch on that. Will, will they wing him to Japan and be part of that, or will they just keep him in the All Black? I'd, I'd imagine they'll keep him in the All Black environment, Ken. But yeah, he was just injury cover. Staffy, I think Rico could score 100 tries and make 200 tackles in a game and a lot will still complain. The guy is a champion. He's get, he Attacking, like, he is a freak. He is so big and strong and fast and powerful and he is getting better game by game, Ken. Um, I know what you're saying, though. Uh, hey, Steph, I forgot to say that Brad Weber and Jack Goodhue are way too good for the All Blacks 15 team. They should be in the top team. Well, again, just two positions that we're blessed with at the moment. Um, and I don't think the door's closed on Brad Webber in particular for the World Cup. Uh, Staffy, awesome game from the Black Ferns girls yesterday. Locks, uh, Myrus and Bremner, 80 minutes. They were just too much. Marshy in the Hawks Bay, I absolutely agree. It was fantastic watch, a fantastic watch. Morning, staff. Do you think if Golden Point games are to stay, the losing team should get a point? That is like in a draw. Chris from Northern Territory. Chris, 100% agree. I think if it's all tied up at full time in the NRL, it should be one point each and you play for the extra one. Um, Drawing at full time should be worth something. So I think they should play for the extra point in Golden Point. That's me, Chris, Northern Territory. Good to have you listening. Staff, the question is, will Rico win you more on attack than cost you on defence? If that's the single question, my single answer is yes. I think I think so. I think so. Uh, I tried getting a bet on the Black Ferns, but I couldn't find anything. I did. 
I could. I didn't win. I said they'd win by more than what they actually did. Lewis Brown, former Warrior, after the news. Well, it was a fantastic weekend for Warriors League fans uh, picking up a win in Parramatta. Uh, way wins are very, very special, aren't they? And uh, we're very privileged now to have former Warrior Kiwi. Um, great man, Sharky. Lewis Brown joins us. G'day, Lewis. Hey, Steph, how are you, mate? I'm good. Geez, we uh, we were fizzing after that uh, Parramatta win. Not only the, the nature of the win, but for and against is going to, I think, going to play a big, big part in getting a nice win against another top eight side was really crucial. Yeah, you're so right, Steph. You know, uh, you know looking at our, our for and against and, you know, you know plus 78, um, you know, heading into, you know, the, the, the back quarter of the, the end of the season and, um I was just speaking to one of my good friends, and I, I can't remember the last time we were sitting on 24 points in um, the middle of June. <laughs> uh, sorry, the middle of July. So um, I think it's going to, you know, looking at the table at the moment, Steph, um, you know, obviously it comes down to a few calculations. And there's a bit of a log jam there at the top, and then also, at the, you know, from anywhere from 5th to, 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 to 12th. So it looks like we're going to need, um, you know, around about 30 points just to, sort of secure that top eight, um, you know, a buy coming up soon, you know, the Sharks this weekend. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's a, uh, I don't think I felt this comfortable in a long time about a, a Warriors season. How do you feel about the performance of Metcalf? Both Tony Kemp and our main caller, Sammy Hewitt, were just um, singing his praises that he's had back-to-back starts now because of injuries to, to other players. He's really coming into his own now. Yeah, I, I've been singing his praises since we signed him, mate. Um, you know, like I've mentioned earlier to you, Steph, I was fortunate enough to, to actually get to play alongside him um, in reserve grade at Manly. And, um, you know, the kid's a freak. Um, I think, you know, on the weekend, you know, was you know a lot of people say it's his breakout game. And, 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 and you know, I think what, what it's sort of been shown is just he's just been building his confidence through the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, through the last few weeks on the back-to-back. And, uh, you, know, you know, sometimes when you do that, you know, you just need a game like that to kind of break out and, and you just saw the confidence in the kid, you know. He, you know, he, Sean's been playing amazing footy. You know, he's back to his best. But to see a young kid that's not scared to shy away from the the moment and, and take on the line and and take a short side and and when when you know it's not guaranteed on, that's what you want from your six. And um, you know, he 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 grabbed uh, he grabbed that game by the horns on on on, on Saturday and and really led the boys home. He's got a lot of speed. Um, he, you know, he can beat that, you know, on a four-man short side, he can beat that four-man defender and, and like he did with uh, Jackson Ford and, and Mitch, Mitch Barnett and put them through the hole to lead up to his, his try from dummy half that he scored. And that's, just, that's just a glimpse of what he can add to this team and I think once him and Sean get the balance, well, you know, you know the, the, there's no ceiling for that, that, that half part, partnering. And the good thing about it, we spoke about a few weeks ago, Steph, is when was the last time we had this great greater depth mm. in the halves? for the Warriors. So um, we're, we're really in good hands at the moment. You mentioned Mitch Barnett. How valuable to have such a big, strong, robust, fearless guy who can run angles, um, destroy people on defence, but he, he's actually an offensive weapon now as well. Oh, he's, just, he's great, mate. He's just one of those blokes that you need in the changing sets when you're, when you, when you, when you're getting ready to, to, to run out. You look across the room and you... And you know what you're going to get out of him each week. You know that he's going to turn up each week, roll his sleeves up. You know whether it's a, a tight, tight contest or, or a game in the weekend. You know he, he's right there to the 80th minute. And um, I think you know he really complements you know the, our front row forwards. You know um, complements the way that Tohu plays. Um, you know we're getting we're getting 60s. 
60 minutes out of Adam Fanua Blake, who, you know, 60, 60 quality minutes too. There's not many front rowers in, in the comp at the moment that are actually giving that, that type of performance. And, you know, he, he's taking about four four people to tackle him and he's skittling, skittling at least two of them each time. So, you know, and then that, you know, the byproduct of that is Wade Egan. You know, he's getting, he's either taking off from dummy half, he's putting a, a half on the front foot over the ad line, or he's putting the rest of our middle forwards. Tahu, you know, Dylan Walker, when he comes on, they're always getting front foot ball. And then what I'm loving the most at the moment, Steph, is just the way that, you know, we're, we're kicking early. Even though we're, we're, you know, we're up by 20, um, we're, not, we're not protecting our league. We're kicking early. And what I can really tell about this team is they pride themselves on their first three. And first by, what, by meaning first three, I mean their, their kick chase. They kick their kick chase in their first three tackles. Every single tackle that they do, the first three, the, once the first one's dominant, then the next two, they call it bum rush. And they, they, you, you saw it numerous times. They had a rookie fullback in Parramatta, and every time he returned the ball, he was, he was, taking it, he was driven back 10 times. So that gives their back five you know, um, the chance to opportunities, but they don't have the momentum. I, th- I thought that we were really, really hanging our hat on this, that, that this year, that a kick chase plus three, and, and it's really helping us with our defence. Do you feel like, with the benefit of hindsight, that that <clears throat> loss to the Rabbitohs was a bit of a rocket they might have needed? Yeah, I think so, Steph. I think sometimes, and in, in, when, when you're heading along this good, you're going to have games like that. But you know, it's 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 about how you react as well. And you know, once upon a time, we 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 would have a game like we did against the Rabbitohs, and then we would we would put a towel between our legs for you know six weeks, and then we, our season would turn to shit. And um, you know, these games against teams that have origin players missing, you know, origin players in key positions like Mitch Moses missing, you know, they are must-win games for us. And, you know, they, 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 you know, they weren't at full strength, but they had Junior Polo out there who had, who had lots to prove. And, you know, this week we turned it around. The boys attacked it, um, and it's games that we need to win that we haven't won like that in the past. Now, of course, we have uh, Cronulla Sharks, who are third on the table, one, one of the most exciting attacking teams um i think they should be reasonably easy to scout but quite hard to stop but i just looked at the sharks last three weeks they've had a bye then the dragons then west tigers so nothing and then two of the teams at the bottom of the table can we sneak up and punch them in the nose oh we can sneak up and punch anyone in the nose in this competition and 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 i I really feel like teams are starting to really you know keep their eye out for the warriors and um I think you know as we start to get our combinations right, you know, and to, towards this back end of the the competition, you know, Webby Webby's been there. He's been he's been in the final series the last three years. He knows what it takes to play finals footy. He knows what it's like to peak at the right time, and he knows what to inject at this time of year. And because he's been around it, he's been in the Penrith system. And I'm pretty sure this weekend, you know, he, he'll be making sure the boys, you know, keep the foot on the throat and and and, and ready to roar because. You know, this was this was a this was a big game for us. Um, you know, when we first played them, and um, you know, it, it would be it would be a great bar. You know, test. You know, what what, what see where we're at. And um, but I, I really think that we the game in the weekend will really help the boys. You know, get instill that confidence back into them and, and know that they can. You know, have a loss like they did against South, but then they and then they can go back to the drawing boards, fix up, rejig, make a few tweaks, and then they come out with that type of performance in the weekend because that was a real real tricky game. Like you know, going to at the Bankwest Stadium. That's a great stadium. You know, they had 20-plus thousand people there. And, um, you know, it's a tricky game. And, and they're a good side, Parramatta. They can, they, can, they can beat you all across the park. And, you know, the, the way that the Warriors defended, they, they gave themselves so much opportunity to win that game. And I'm just happy for them. You know, you, you, 
there, I don't think there's been this many games during a season since maybe I won't say 2011 because that's when I was playing staff. But mm-hmm. you know, back in the back in the early 2000, 2002, 2003, where we've seen the boys pull away at the back end of the game, not having to protect the lead, they they keep they keep attacking, and I love that. Uh, there's actually a replay of the game on at the moment, um, and I was looking at the crowd, uh, Lewis, and it seemed like half the fans were cheering for the Warriors. There was Warriors chants going up. I know they put on a bit of a function, uh, a combined function to raise money for the unfortunate uh, Daniel Anderson with the accident that he's had and, and life-changing for him. There just seems yep. to be so many Warriors fans wherever they play in Australia. Yeah, it's amazing, Steph. And, 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 and um, you know, I know you don't get to see a lot of media over here, you know, a, a lot of the shows that they show over here and, 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 the, and, and you know, the newspapers. But, you know, a lot of people, guests on shows over here in Sydney, are, you know, like three, NRL 360s, Daddy Telegraph, you know, the Sydney Morning Herald. People want to see the Warriors succeed this year. People are loving the way that we're playing. They love the brand of footy we're playing. They love... They, they love the way the boys are humble about the way they're going, but they're relentless. And, um, you know, not, not only would it be great for New Zealand Rugby League, but it just would be great for New Zealand, I mean, Rugby League in general, um, I think, to see, see us go the whole way this year. And, and there's a, you know, Glenn Lazarus was on um, the Matty John show last night. And, um, you know, he, he's someone that's, you know, won three premierships with three different clubs. And, um, you know, he, he's actually barking for, the, for us to win it this year. And, you know, a lot of people like that over here are, you know, changing the narrative. They want to see us win it. And, and a lot of them, you know, with me included, like, we have the faith that we can do it. Gosh, it would inject some interest into that, into the NRL if we could get up and, and win the thing. But do you, realistically, as we are right now, are we a better chance to win it this year or maybe in the next two with, with a little bit more weeby structure? Oh, mate, there's no, there's no better chance than the now. We don't know what's going to happen over the next few years. You know, injuries, um, you know, um, player disruptions and that. So I think we're ready now. I can't see why not. Um, and, and I tell you what, Webby wouldn't be sitting there going, boys, listen, we might, you know, we might make the finals this year, but let's, you know, he'll be, he's killer instinct. He's got the, he's got the foot on the throat and, you know, they've got, they've got every single aspect in their game to win this competition. You know, the defense is great. Um, the, the patience and attack, the, the attacking structure. You know, now, now, you know, a lot of the teams are worried about Sean just sitting on the right side. Now they've got a threat on the left side of Luke Metcalf. You know, and, and, and after that game, it, it's a player that's not scared to overcall from Sean. You know, and that's what we want. We want our young fellas being confident and, and taking those opportunities because sometimes opportunities like that only come once or twice in a game. And, you know, someone like Luke Jets taking them, you know, you might not, you only get a few shots at it and, um, it's just nice that he's not overawed by the, the occasion. Jackson Ford. Talk to me about Jackson Ford. Is he a illustration of the coaching class of Andrew Webster to take a bit of a journeyman to being close to man of the match in, in this weekend's game? Well, I just think, you know, his body shape, the way he, he fits into the, the team. Um, you know, obviously he's been, he's been over in Australia already. He's a big body. And, you know, I, I can speak from experience, um, Steph. You know, I, I was a bit of a journeyman before I found the right club, and that was the Warriors. And, um, you know, sometimes as a journeyman, you just need the right environment. You need a little bit of confidence in you. And, and, just, and just someone, just the coach that's willing to put a little bit of effort into you and, 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 and rejigger a few things in your games. And, 
and confidence goes so uh, such a long way in rugby league, but just in life. And um, you know, full credit to him. He, he's been um, he's been nothing but a, a shining light um, on that left edge. And I think you know, you know, teams once upon a time were like, well, who who is this young kid? But you know, he, he's really made a name for himself this year. What I love about him most is he's not scared to get in there um, and do the dirty stuff too. He's great at hitting lines. He's got a little uh, post line offload, but. You know, tackle five. He, he goes puts kick pressure on the, um, you know, on the kicker, and then and kick chase. He, he's the one leading it, and that's what you want from your back rowers. Uh, got quite a few text messages coming in asking me to ask you about origin. I can't read every single question, but one uh, common theme is uh, blues or maroons for Lewis Brown. Uh, mate, I'm a maroons fan. I've always been. Um, when I grew up, Alfie Langer was my favourite player, and. Um, you know, I, I started watching Origin. I think was uh, nineteen. I think my first Origin I watched was nineteen ninety. I was three years. Uh, sorry, I was four years old um, <laughs> that I can remember. And um, I, I was tiny as a kid, and and I played halfback. Um, and Alfie Langer was my favourite player, and I wanted to be him growing up. So I've been through the tough times of the Maroons back in the day, mate, where we used to get our pants pulled down a lot of the time. Mm. But I was also there when Mark Coyne scored that a beautiful try. Uh, to send us home, and then I've gone through the great times of eight in a row, ten in a row, whatever it is. But like you know, I'm I'm definitely Maroons, and one of my good mates as well, Nate Miles, he's the assistant coach. So um, I'm hoping for a clean sweep. And I know the type of person Billy Slater is playing against him, and hearing Harry coaches, um, mate, he's not coming down here to um, take a holiday. He's here to he's here to come to New South Wales on Wednesday night, get a clean clean sweep, and get that shielding out of here straight back up to Queensland. Is it- is Billy Slater going to be hot property for an NRL gig anytime soon? Yeah. Yes, yeah, hands down. I think, I think as I see it, um, you know, I, I, I think the, the the perfect fairy tale for for Melbourne. You know, obviously Craig's to sign a new contract, but it would be to let Billy um, keep applying his his trade with with Queensland, keep developing, and then you know, I think it'd be I think it'd be a great story to see him go back to Melbourne. And, um, and and coach that side once once Craig's ready to uh, to hang them up when that when whenever that is um, I'm not too sure but if, if, if you know if that doesn't happen um, you know uh, it's silly not to you know he's had he's had two years in the in the Origin and um, just the this, just the way you know I've spoken to Blake Green who was at the um, who was at Manly with Nate Miles and. You know, players that have been around him, and, and they just said he just he never he's one person that just does, doesn't leave a stone unturned. And you know, a lot of lot of film, um, a lot of lot of a lot of analy- uh, uh, analyzing and stuff like that. But you know, these players want to come in into the camp, and it, it's a person that's gone there and has been at the peak of the Maroons' power before. He's you know he's one of the best best Maroon fullbacks, or probably the best fullback of all time in my eyes mm. and you know he just gets his players up for it and I and I think he you know the way he he holds himself and the way that he is a student to not only the game but the coaching side of it I, I think he's got a massive career in the coaching and it's certainly the way that he's been able to get the, the, the Maroons up um, you know these last two years for the series um, I just think the writing's on the wall. And those accolades haven't been afforded poor old Freddie Fittler, who would um, go down as one of the greatest New South Wales players ever, and it hasn't really translated into state of origin. What what have you made? Like, it was, it was an incredible change of squad. Like, you needed both hands uh, to count the number of changes for game three for Freddie, a man under pressure. 
Yeah, oh man, a man under pressure. There's there's nothing like it. And um, you know, the Fred's credit, you know, he, he he's he's been great. Like I, I was fortunate enough to be coached by him and, and Jersey Flegg, and he's a great bloke. And um, you know, the way you know he's really conducted himself through you know this this pressure, um, you know, it's something to to admire. And you know, sometimes in, in footy you need to you need to make changes. And um, that, you know, my mindset is mate, the, the more the more changes each Origin game New South Wales are making, uh, I'm happy with that because I'm I'm on my I'm on my own. <laughs> and finally, we had a couple of questions asking you about. You've mentioned uh, Jersey Flag Reserve Grade. We're starting to see, and I like seeing guys making. The, it's usually an Origin period. The some of the teams with a lot of representatives are forced to bring in some of these youngsters, 19 year olds, 20 year olds. What's the biggest difference for you going from the level underneath and then bang you're into NRL yeah just the speed of it just the speed and like hopping on a hopping on the field and knowing that 1 to 13 or 1 to 17 um, because the bench is such a big part of the game just that everyone knows their roles Um, you know in in reserve grade you still have you you know five or six players that stand out the hardest thing about reserve grade is you know you 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 have about seventy percent, sixty percent of the squad of reserve grade is made up of part-time players that you know the that the you know the, the NRL boys that get dropped back only get to spend um, you know a not a, a, a training run or two. So it's, it's, I feel I, I feel quite sorry for the coaches through that 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 grade because you never know what your your team's going to look like up until like right up until kickoff. Some you know I've been in I've been in teams where. I've been strapped up, ready to run out, and then I've got pulled off. I've got pulled out from warm up because of you know an injury or something. To, so it's just about adjusting, and 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 I think um, you know going from reserve grade to, to NRL, it's a lot faster, but in a, in a strange way, it makes your job a lot easier too because you can just focus on what you do and what you do well, and make sure you're doing your job. And you know, I, I think. You know, we, I think that the Warriors they've got that next man up mentality, and and and, and Webby's. I think I feel like he's got the foundations of you know the reserve grade player coming into the first grade. Um, they've really got that mentality about them, and they're, they're ready. They're prepared. They stayed prepared. They haven't just got the call and gone. Oh, actually, I'm going to play first grade this week. I'm not prepared for this, but I'm going to. They're prepared. They're ready to go. He's he's made them stay prepared, and um, you know that's why we're not really seeing much of a um, you know a back off period when we when we when when we do get these young kids coming through. Brilliant, Louis. I can see Brendan English, our tech man out there. He he lives in Earl's collection clothes. I sent you a video of him wearing one, one of your gear, and he was just like, is he coming on? Is he coming on? So Earl's collection going well too, buddy? Yeah, it's going well, mate. Um, you know, like I said to you before, Steph, it, it's something that, you know, it's challenging at times, but I take a lot of, lot of parallels from, from sport um, and, and add it into to our into our little little brand and um, we currently uh, currently got free shipping on at the moment so Ills Express if you want to use that in, in the in the checkout feel free to jump on team and um, but we've got some big things coming up you know it, 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 it's it's cool to be able to retire from a sport and um, hop into another passion and, and um, but I tell you what mate there's some days I'd love to be back on that rugby league field that's for sure. <laughs> Wednesday in a maroon jersey. Let's go. Let's. <laughs> hey, thanks, buddy. Really appreciate you jumping on each week. Um, we'll catch up next Monday. Cheers, mate. You're a good man, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lewis Brown, their former warrior, and he's got earlscollection.com. Um, flash clothes. You want to look flasher than you already do, people? Flash. And there's free shipping at the moment as well. Um, we'll take a quick break. Uh, 
Give us a yell on the rugby league if you want. 0800 150 Love to take at least one call. Um, what you made of the weekend. Go. Uh, some more text messages. Let's get through some of these from Sean Staffy. Did you see the 17-second knockout in the UFC? Do you reckon that chap would feel ripped off training that hard to get a 17-second bout because these guys aren't wired properly? Um, you take the prize money and run, don't you? I didn't see it, actually. I, I, I watched the last five or six, I think. Staff me, old mate. I think Geordie and Rico had a fantastic combination game. I'm glad we seem to have settled on them now as our midfield backs. I think with a bit more time, they will be our new Mark Conrad combo and prove to be a dynamic strike force going to the World Cup. Rico has really grown into centre. They will be tested, but stick with them. Bring it on. It's a text from Face. Thank you, Face. Uh, Staffy, re-Wimbledon rap. How come no rap of the New Zealand player Michael Venus, who seems to be left out of any reports? He made the French Open final last month. Superb Kiwi doing the country and tennis proud. Cheers, Jerry. We mentioned him in the um, French. Um, he made our news bulletins today. Uh, I did try and get him... Um, at the French or Bianca, but they're very hard to tie down when they're in tournament. But rest assured, uh, some someone, either me or breakfast or someone will grab them uh, post-Wimbledon. It's very hard to get to them during the tournament, though. Staff, I can't wrap my brain around Finlay Christie. Can you try and give me why you think they have picked him over Brad Webber? Um, we dropped off significantly when Finlay Christie came on. I can't either. There you go. I can't. I, I'd have Brad Weber, and I'm not pooing Finley Christie. I think Brad Weber is a significantly valuable player for a World Cup campaign. Um, I really do. Finley Christie, the future, yes, no problem. <clears throat> but for me, Brad Weber, and I will not be surprised if he finds his way in that World Cup squad as well. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, from Brad. Why pick Caleb Clark if you don't use him? I think I heard his name three times max yesterday. First half showed us how we'll win the World Cup. Second half showed us how we're nowhere near good enough. Everything Everything turned to custard once Christie came on. McKenzie has done enough for me to be the first choice. Ten going forward. Yeah, I I enjoyed Damien McKenzie's um, role. One thing I did note about uh, Richie Moonga, I think he is the best chip kick con- uh, exponent in New Zealand. The the timing, the depth, the height, the regather rate of Richie Moonga's chip kick when the defence is rushing, really important tool in Richie Moonga's arsenal. Um, I really do. Uh, look at the blue Staffy. That's where Razor broke them down. I'd love to know, would Razor Robertson pick Rico at 13? I think not from Dino. We will see in, well, it's going to be 12 months now, isn't it? Um, I would say he will. Um, Staffy, further to my message, oh yes, I read that one. Pete, we'll get in touch with Michaela. We will keep, we'll be getting in touch with Michaela. Don't worry about that. That's a great idea. Um, so stay tuned. Stay tuned what that was all about. Right, we'll take uh, a break for Johnny Mack, who's in the news booth, ready to give you your news, your sport and your weather. And after that, we'll find out how Show Me The Money went looking at Robbie's face. It's probably bad news. But we'll find out after the news. Show you the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. 
Now, I'm excited, Steph, for, oh, good. for one reason. Yes. Um, and it's probably not the same reason that uh, is why you would be excited. Uh, but I'm excited because I think in the amount of Show Me The Monies that have actually been done, this is the first time I've ever done a revisited that I was a part of the bet. Oh, yeah, because you never turn exactly. up the following. So, yeah, good excitement. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now... Uh, the excitement turns into a slightly different emotion as we run through the bet that we placed. Um, we'll start with you, Steph, and um, you decided to go into the ashes in a, a bet that I didn't mind at the time. No, no one really, no one really minded. It could have happened. Um, we went for Kabaja and Smith in the first innings to both get fifty or more. Yep. He's had the pace, he's found the length, and he's found Kawaja's leg stump. Brilliant from Wood. Inside edge this time. Wood likes it. The finger goes up. Bairstow takes it. Missed the chance of Travis Head, the over before. They've got Smith in his 100th test. Right. Well, um, that wasn't great. Uh, Kawaja was bowled by Wood for 13 in the first innings, uh, and Smith was caught behind off Broad for 22. So, unfortunately... Broad always gets a mate. Yeah. Well, David Warner is the one that Broad always gets, but okay. Broad almost gets always gets everyone, everyone. to be honest. But um, we'll, we'll move on, and normally I like to start with wins, so I think we know how this is going. Um, Call O'Brien took, uh, took the Rabbitohs over the Bulldogs at minus four and a half. Full time, Canterbury 36, South Sydney 32. That was unexpected. Yeah, yeah. needed it the other way around, plus a point, really. Yeah. That was unexpected. Though. That was unexpected. I, th- I thought we were going to get that one. Um, <clears throat> but unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, Big B-Man was in the chair. He was. And uh, he decided to take Volkanovski by points. Yeah, he is in real trouble. Yeah, he is. That's it. It's over. Look like Hortinas. Charlie Costa gets it down to it. Still, Alexander Volkanovsky stops Jair Rodriguez. Well, he got close. He got close. But wrong. But unfortunately wrong. Um... Yeah, Volkanovski obviously did win that one, but it was a third-round TKO of uh, Yaro Rodriguez, so close. Um, but, yeah, not quite there. And then finishing off with me, uh, I had the I had the bet that was paying the most. Uh, I backed it. <laughs> Didn't... Mm. I think the whole office backed it, actually. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it was Lydia Ko, top 10, US Open, uh, and then this happened. Oh, goodness. Oh, Way... That is an incredibly bad shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Lydia, but that cost you four shots. <sighs> that that one hole. Yeah, par three, par three in the fifth and the first round, quadruple bogey, and then uh, yeah, we she, she kind of brought it back, but yeah, that uh, enough said about <laughs> about yeah, that she one. She shot seventy-one in the second round. The interesting thing is she finished eight over, picking up fifty grand, tied thirty-three. If she Let's say she'd birdied that that par three, so we can take five off her. She would have finished up twelfth. 
Oh. So she needed a hole in one or something like that. Actually, I didn't give you the final result, people. Sorry, I'll do that now. Alison Corpus, Corpus, uh, American. Uh, she won nine under, two million US. Wow. And then six under was Charlie Hole and Jaya Shin. That was my bet after two rounds. And Nasa uh, Hatawaka. She was my other one. So I had a second and a fourth. Uh, so Alison Corpus. So no good, Robbie. You're gonna Unfortunate. Have a, you're going to have one another go. We're going to have one more crack. And we're actually, uh, I mean, if things do go to plan from what I've been told, uh, Sam might be doing the revisited of a bet that I was on. I don't know if that's ever happened That's either. a role reversal. Exactly. It is. A, are you working um, Friday? Yes. What show are you doing? Uh, 10 to 2. 10 to with 2. With Louie, I believe. Mm. I'm doing 6 till 10. 6 a.m. till 10, the earliest I've ever started. Very fun. That means coming to work at what, 4? Oh, God. Me, me and Angus Tatavell on Friday. That's a big show. Big show. And Captain K in the booth. Right, as we do, um, I was going to say bi-weekly, but it's twice weekly. We catch up with Jimmy Smith across the ditch, so we will do that after this break. Can I get you to say with me, how bloody are you? Across the ditch. Australia are late. Australia are late again. After we were late once and they absolutely paid out on us, this is Jimmy Smith's doing, not their producer's doing. I will, I will point that out because it is on the host to throw with plenty of time up your sleeve. This is the host responsibility, not producer responsibility. He will try and deflect and blame Coach K. You watch. He will try and blame. Their producer's great. Um, he sends us through. Here's his talking points. Let's see how many of these we, we tick off. Origin in New Zealand, the Warriors, Test Rugby on the weekend, and the Ashes. Um, studio Invader. There's just f- messages flying in at the moment from Jimmy Smith and Coach K, which is where we got the name Captain K for Kieran, actually. Captain K. Um, so I have no idea when they're going to join us. It's just all oh, now 30 seconds from now, they're saying. My God. Jimmy, this is so irresponsible. He can't hear me. Shall I absolutely pay him out on this? Um, we will definitely be taking... Um, yeah, somebody just texted in, did I just say that word? Yes, I did. But I was trying to say another one. I didn't say it um, intentionally. Contrary to Dino's thoughts, I think Razor would be very happy to have Rico as his centre in the Crusaders and All Blacks. JJ, that's a good text. Yeah, um, he's not a bad player. He's, he's a very, very good player. Um, much better player than Jimmy Smith is or ever was uh, because he yes. turned up on time. Um, Any time now, Australia will come in. New Zealand, um, they'll blame daylight saving. God knows what. No, I'll tell you what it was. Uh, oh. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon to you, Mark. Good afternoon to all of your listeners over there yeah. in New Zealand. Uh, I was ready. I'm saying, Coach K, come on, wrap it up, wrap it up. And he said, no, I've got some really interesting stuff to talk about coming out of the third <laughs> Ashes test at uh, Headingley. So... You want to apportion blame anywhere, I'd say that's a good place to start. I would say you're lying. Yes, you're right. right. (laughs) I'll tell you what, you profoundly misled us on Friday. How? You said the Wallabies would win. Oh, give them a chance. I said, go back and listen. Go go back and listen to your audio. Don't trust your memory for convenience. Okay, I'll tell you what, next time, you know what? 
it, no matter the next sporting event that's going to happen, I'm going to say, yeah, I think they're a chance. <laughs> now, I don't need to divulge how much of a chance or how little of a chance, but if I say they're a chance, then I'm just covering all bases. Come right? on, mate. You don't need to be a smart ass. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what did you make of that? Can I give you my take on it? Yeah. It's Eddie finding something for us to be talking about other than the shit-ass performance by his team. I agree, because he did say it. He did say it last week, and that journalist just, well within his rights, just brought totally. it up. And, um, oh, he, he felt a bone on Eddie, but Eddie wouldn't bother him. But, geez, he was quite peed off about it, wasn't he? No, but he did that deliberately. Mm. So that we, that's what, what we're talking about. So what, 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 what aren't we talking about? The fact that Australia haven't just been beaten, been comprehensively outplayed, albeit at altitude, by a side that doesn't have the strongest South African players in it. So, you know, whichever way Eddie, you know, we all think, oh, Eddie's here. How good's that? We'll probably make, well, definitely semifinals. Might even make the final of the Rugby World Cup this year and then Eddie will lead us to the promised land and we'll win it in 2027. <laughs> so Eddie's probably looking at it now going, hey, yeah, this is bigger <laughs> than I anticipated. Uh, how do I distract people? Oh, here, I'll call someone a smartass. <laughs> he was right. I think six of the best Springbok players have been in Auckland since Wednesday last week. They've come to oh. acclimatise ahead of time. And the All Blacks don't get back till this afternoon from Argentina. Are they all walking around with jandals on and uh, chilli bins? Or how are they acclimatising to New Zealand right now? Any insight? Um, they've been unsighted, which is interesting. Uh, no Ooh. sightings at all. Um, I would suggest they go to Lone Star, which is a chain of restaurants in New Zealand. Famously, um, I was lucky enough to interview... Um, Bucky's daughter and Victor Matfield together some years ago in Wellington and I just said yes. well, what do you like about New Zealand Bucky's daughter said uh, the coffee, Victor Matfield said the restaurants and I said what's your favourite restaurant and he said Lone Star and I said do you like the chicken wings or the ribs and he said both so he gets he gets a main of their uh, fiery uh, chicken uh, wings and a main of the large ribs at um, at Lone Star. Fantastic I'm gonna, uh, gentleman, Springboks. I'm going to ask you a very personal question here, Mark. How big are you? How big? I am six foot and half an inch tall. Right. Let's let's round that out at six feet, eh? About that. Yeah, well, because you can't say six foot and a half because that sounds like six foot six and a half feet. So let's go with six foot or six foot one with shoes on. And I'm about 91 kilos. Okay, how big were Bucky's Bota and oh. Victor Matfield in comparison to you? Well, I interviewed them next to Mount Victoria in Wellington, and it was Mount Bota and Mount Matfield. <laughs> they are colossal humans, like proper Nelson Asafa Solomon big. Yeah, yeah, huge men, huge mm-hmm. men. Hey, um, did Sam Kane do the right thing trying to kick I saw the bloke who invaded the pitch, right? Mm. And then he's put on social media, oh, look, here's where I was kicked. And in my mind, I'm like, mate, you are getting absolutely, you barely see a little bruise on his leg. I said, you're getting absolutely zero sympathy from me because if you don't go on the field, guess what, buddy? You won't get kicked by the New Zealand captain. Look, it's it, there's been so many of them. You, I said earlier in my show, Jimmy, you take it upon yourself if you jump the hoardings and go onto the field of play before the game, during the game, after the game. Um, 
you you get what's coming to you. We've seen it. Was it was it Dennis Lilly? Um, we've seen um, Terry Alderman. Terry Alderman Ter- tackled a intruder and dislocated his shoulder. Was out of cricket for fifteen months. Richie McCaw tackled uh, Pete Van Zyl. I think his name was a big fat South African guy yes. who ran onto the field, um, who dislocated yes. McHugh, the referee's shoulder. Uh, Ruben Wiki famously tackled a pitch invader when the Warriors were playing a game in Dunedin and absolutely poleaxed a pitch invader. <laughs> absolutely oh, wow. pole. Uh, they don't get sympathy from me. And it wasn't. He didn't kick him. It was a foot trip. Ah, oh, right. Hey. Did he get suspended for it or is he match review committee or anything like that? Sands are going to do an inquiry. It's ridiculous. Andrew Simons once shoulder charged because uh, he was in the Broncos junior system, Andrew Simons. He shoulder charged a pitch invader one night at the Gabba. So that was good. Question here, Ryan from Mackay. Good afternoon, Jimmy. Please ask Mark if he thinks the Warriors can improve enough to get into the grand final. Look, we just had Lewis Brown on. Sharky, we like to call him, former warrior, former Kiwi. Yes. Um, great, yes. great man. And I just said, realistically, can we make the final this year or are he more likely next year or the year after? And he said, this year. He said, there is absolutely no reason. And if you look where we are on the ladder, and we've done it without Tamari Martin, Jazz Devanga, uh, Maratha yep. Niorokore in recent times, we get everyone back at the right time. Hell yes, we can play the final. Hell yes. And the best the best thing, oh, here we go. Go on, do it. Can you show, play it for me, please, Coach K? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Sean Johnson oh, with the little one-two step off the left foot. It's vintage, SJ. The beauty of the win the other night was it wasn't SJ and AFB, but it was Luke Metcalf and Mitch Barnett and Wade Egan and uh, these guys contributing. So that's the that's the best thing, I think, from a Warriors point of view. We've got to go, fellas. Yeah, thanks for being um, only two minutes late today. Appreciate it. No, I think it was about a minute and a half. Thanks, Staffy. All right, let's go. Jimmy Smith, he goes to a break. We go to a break.